listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Cuddle Punk Podcast. My name is Veronica Vex, the dumbest girl alive. With me today is one of my favorite wrestlers. You can find him in freelance wrestling. You can find him in St. Louis Anarchy. You can find him in New Pro Wrestling South. Craig Mitchell is here with us today. Craig, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Veronica. It's good to be on. Finally, finally, we got to make this work, so it's good. Absolutely. No, it's been a while. I've been able to see you twice since I first handed you the card. You've done great each time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm getting I old, man. S- <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> you're getting old, but you're doing great. I wanted to start off asking you about something that happened when we first met. Literally the second that I am handing you my card at uh, Freelance Take This to the Ring... Paul London and Storm Grayson are having a match behind us. I turn you away for one second. Can you talk real quick about how we almost saw Paul London die? We're talking about the shooting star press? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, too, because, like, in that moment, it wasn't even anything we were really paying attention to. And it immediately turned me from, like, okay, we're talking. Okay, I'm a fan for a second because this is kind of cool that I get to see. And then immediately it's just like I think someone we're on the show with might have potentially, especially someone important, might have actually like probably like ended themselves. So it was wild. It was like a roller coaster of emotions there. I'm still a fan. So when I'm around it, even if I'm hanging out in the crowd, I could just have a match. I genuinely feel like excited to be at these shows. It still feels like when I was a kid and I'd go to, you know, whatever shows I would go to. I mean, growing up, we used to go to LWF all the time. And I've always had that same feeling, whether I'm on the show or not. It's, it, I love that vibe. But in that moment, that freaked me out because I didn't know if he was coming back from it. I had no idea. And especially after watching the footage, I don't know if anybody's seen it. It's, it's as bad as we thought it was. So it was, it was wicked. We're literally talking. I'm handing him my card because this is like the first freelance show where I'm like handing out cards and everything because I've got the show going. And immediately we hear the crowd just gasp in horror and we turn around and we're like, oh, Paul has horribly injured himself, possibly. This is very bad, maybe. And it was terrible, too, because the whole match like had the, the, the big match vibe, right? They're fighting through the crowd. Everything was all, the whole show was going so well. And then for that to be literally the end of it, just kind of like sucked the air out of the room. I'm glad he was fine. When we went in the back to talk to him, I think he was just more upset than anything. He was completely fine, but it's still, it's one of those things you never know. The injuries that I see happening at shows, at least the ones that I've seen recently, they've all been in the matches that you wouldn't expect to have that happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for like, for myself, the times that I should have been hurt, I've been fine. Like, the, like you mentioned the match with Shane, I was able to wrap up the match, roll to the back. I knew that I had my my fiance and my daughter there and she had brought some friends like some of her high school friends from school and I knew like I'm like I gotta probably go like kind of like let them know that I'm good and I was more than good I felt fine but I mean like flash you know two years ago I was dressing Brian Keith I go to take a, a DDT from him and the second he goes to do the DDT my leg was a little straighter got kind of hooked in the mat and I almost basically like completely ruptured my Achilles tendon I had a very minor kind of tear I had look mainly impact to my my soleus and I was out I was out for like six months and it was I would have never ever thought that that would have been a factor you know my favorite moment of that entire event was uh there was the tag team match going on for the titles and as soon as the match ends Tyler Lytle he's just like spitting venom sorry my cat's auto feeder's going off right now that's fucking perfect but no Tyler he is like doing his usual shit where he's being his asshole self to the crowd, which is hard when you're going against GPA, who's already being a major asshole. And he's asking who wants some, and I just look at him dead in the eye, and I go, I want some, and he just wipes his blood from the match onto my <laughs> face. It was Those are the crowd moments that I live for, though. And I remember the first time I saw you, uh, it was at Purple Poppy's birthday blowout. Um, you were going against GPA, and GPA is obviously getting booze, and then you come out, and there's just this massive pop when you come out. You always have, like, this big connection with the freelance faithful. What is it do you think, personally, that makes it so that they connect with you so much? I I couldn't tell you. I You know what? And I, and I, I think I have an idea. I knew you were going to answer that, which is why I said in your opinion, because I'm going to tell you why I think it's happening. But I want to know what you think first. I have a theory. Uh, I have a theory and I think, and I, and I've always told people this, like 
So I've been wrestling about 14 years. Uh, I think it'll be 14 years sometime in the next few weeks or so. And over those years, I've always just been, I am kind of how I am. I mean, obviously in the ring, you're doing your gimmick, you know, I'm good guy, bad guy, whatever it is, but I've always been someone that's good to talk to. You come up to me after the show, I'll talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you like, Hey, okay. Hey, there's a fan, whatever you want to just talk for two seconds and walk away. I'll talk to people. And it's cause I like, I like to talk to people and I, and I know that when someone's coming up and taking the time to talk to you or ask for a picture or anything, even guys that we're working on the show with, you know, or, you know, whoever it is, I, I give people the time to actually have a conversation or even anything like that. We get to actually like share something. And I think over those years, that's kind of spread, you know, someone will come up to me, good match or, Hey, you know, I like this, even if it's not that great, but they at least get something genuine from me just because that's just kind of how I am. And it stayed that way. I've been doing freelance since the beginning. The first freelance show, even the ones before they were ever aired back in 2013, I was on those shows. So if you were to look at the roster, there's a lot of people that have been there since the, the early days beginning. You know, you got your, you know, your, your Kylie Ray, you got your GPA, you got your Storm, you got like people that have been there a while. I, obviously, Isaiah's, but I was there from the very, very beginning. And I think it has just over that time. I've just resonated with someone. Someone at least has had a moment with me, whether they hated me because people used to hate me, but I think they love to hate me because they gave them something to work with. So I think all of those years now, when I come out, someone at least just goes that guy, I, I like that guy. He's kind of like, he's, he's like me in a way, or he, he's put on a good match for me over the years. There's something that I've at least shared something with someone over those last God, how many years now has freelance been around nine years. So it's worked out for me that way. And I think by just keeping everything very consistent, uh, I think it's it's paid off in that aspect. I couldn't tell you why people care about my matches. They're nothing special, but at least I've tried to stay in the game. I've never, you know, and when I took time off, I took time off because I felt like I wasn't giving what I needed to give. And I think that's also important. I want to just not show up and just give you half ass, right? So I'm going to give you everything I got. And I think that's at least kept me relevant in a certain sense so maybe that's how i think it is maybe you got a different take i would be interested to hear i think it's just from like first of all i think it's very interesting that the way that they see different chicago suburbs because clearly berwin is much more beloved than joliet is you don't hear people <laughs> going Joli going berwin sucks berwin sucks berwin sucks but also i think like you are extremely agile for a bigger dude like yourself to be like, I've seen you like doing moons in ring moonsaults onto people more to you than just like your ability to have been here that long. I, there is something about you that I, it's like a Keith Lee type thing where there's just something about you. It's this cannonball effect, but it's a cannonball that moves like a paintball that like people, <laughs> it, they just gravitate towards it naturally. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy too. Cause I mean, like I haven't always been like a really bigger dude. So if you were to go back and look at matches of mine from like 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, uh, in 2013, I got really hurt real bad. And I think that's what started not, you know, obviously a little bit of me, but that started to be where my body put a little bit of weight on. And then I've just kind of always been a bigger dude since then. I used to be a cruiserweight. I used to do six thirties and four fifties and all that crazy shit. I used to do all that stuff. Can I do it anymore? Nope. <laughs> Probably not. I, I, my body is explosive just cause I've always been that kind of athlete. Uh, but I feel I've just learned to be, I've learned to, you know, to, to do it when it counts, make it matter. Um, could I do more things? Probably. But I, I, I also err on the side of very consistent. Like I get hit a moonsault every time I get hit a flip over the top every time I can hit something really quick, really fast, but I also don't want to do anything where I'm going to mess it up. You know, there's nothing worse than watching a big fat guy mess something up, fall down, you know? So I don't want to be that guy. That's a botchamania waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I don't botch often. And when I do mess up, it's try to keep it tight. So that's something I try to be as consistent as possible. I know you clearly have a good head on your shoulders when it comes to the guy, that kind of stuff. Um, I imagine some of it came from your training. You were trained by Steve Voss and male cheerleader, Bryce to Benjamin. Where did they train you? What was your experience like with those two and what drove you to be trained by them specifically? So I, as I was growing up and I was, I was very big in like the Indies 
and then you know like your ring of honor and stuff like that so when i was looking in the area always been from no so i grew up in berwin but i kind of moved to like oak lawn towards like i guess you could say the tail end of like junior high and i went to high school out in this area but when i was going to shows it was kind of like that's where you went you went to berwin eagles club you had the midlothian um it's like a bingo hall they call it the midlow dome i used to go to shows there uh there's that um there's like a big arena. I believe it's like Cicero. Uh, we've done Evolve shows there before. I think uh, MLW does some shows there. I've, I've always gone to independence. And I don't know if it's because when I was growing up, I wasn't, I didn't have the money to go to big like WWF shows and stuff like that. But I just kind of gravitated towards the indies. I used to love going to like LWF, PCW. So when it came time, I remember it was 2008, you know, I'm getting ready to graduate high school and I'm like, I am going to wrestling school. I don't know where I'm going to go. I would have loved to have went to the bump factory back in the day when it was a Vic Capri run and all that. But as I got old enough and had my own funds to do so, um, we were kind of looking around. It was a group of us. So you were like, you're Matt Nix, Chris Castro, Alex Olson, uh, Domi. So he, he was uh, Kenny Sutra. Uh, we all kind of like in a group, we're going to you know go get trained. We were all back at wrestling at the time. So we were all like a big group of friends. And um we started looking around and Boz's school came up and it was in a perfect location. I think it was in Riverside. So it wasn't very far from us. I think it was a good, maybe 30 minutes straight down Harlem Avenue. And we just, we, we just gave it a shot and we, we went there and what we loved about it was we kind of came from this background of like, we love the high spot indie stuff. And we, we knew that that wouldn't work generally, but we, liked that stuff but we knew we had holes in what we didn't understand and what boss was great for and i'll give boss all the credit in the world he really embedded the basics in us and i know i'm not the greatest performer of all time but i'm solid if you watch i move with a purpose everything has a certain sense of structure and i owe that to boss and i think that's ingrained in a lot of us we can structure a match really well we can show the crowd a match and tell a story really well. And that was something that Boz really helped with us as we kind of moved from Boz to Bryce. The only real difference was I think Boz is very rudimentary, like old school basics. Bryce gave us more of that freedom to kind of string some Lucha in there. And he kind of gave us like, I guess the freedom to be a little bit more over the top. We could take something a bit further and he, was very into that. I mean, that's kind of the style he had as well. So it was kind of the perfect blend. Obviously, like anything you learn, you learn the basics, you build a solid foundation. And then with Bryce, we were able to take that foundation and just kind of build on it a little bit. And it worked for us. I think a lot of us, you know, we're very lucky here in Chicago and going all over, you realize a lot of people do not have the schools we have, they don't have the resources we have, like, you know, the resources like a Mustafa Ali or a Sky Day, uh, DJZ, Gringo Loco, all those guys that we were able to get to, to learn our Lucha and our fast paced stuff. But then you had these really solid, solid old school guys that can give you the basics, the foundation and stuff like that. So we were lucky in that sense. That venue that you were talking about in Cicero, that stadium, I know that that stadium is where Impact had their last pay-per-view, where they announced that come the new year, they are going to be officially rebranding as TNA. They're going back to their original name. Were you much of a TNA person growing up? You know, you're not the first person to ask me that. And it's like kind of like a yes and no. I think when it first, when it was like NWA TNA, I think me, I watched the first few shows because I would think I was more like blown away that I could see like Jerry Lynn. I think like one of the first shows I watched was like Jerry Lynn and Justin Incredible. And I was like, holy shit. He had like amazing red and all this crazy stuff. I don't think I kept up with it. And I think the reason why is because as I started getting more involved in my own stuff, because you're thinking I started, it was like 2007, 2008, maybe I started training. And I think I got more involved in the independence just because that kind of was where I was at. There's like this weird gap in my wrestling viewing from like 2008, like end of high school for me until like 2011, 12. I felt like in that time, all I focused on was where I might be or who was going to be able to be around that would possibly be an opportunity like an IWA Mid-South or the Indies that were in our area, like, you know, Chicago style wrestling and stuff like that kind of felt like I had blinders on for a few years. So probably not as much of a fan as I could have been. Along with the name change, what do you think that TNA is going to need to do to differentiate itself from 
because you they're no longer the only like competition for WWE. We have AEW now. We have like even stuff like GCW and Major League Wrestling and Evolve and all these things. These are drawing in big numbers. What does TNA have to do to get like more focus on them again? That's the million dollar question. And I think the the big thing, remember when AEW first came on the scene, it was this idea that it was going to be we're going to we're going to take the best of the best on the indies and we're going to build them. We're going to grow them and we're going to give them the platform and give them the audience. And then after they started building that, they just started bringing in the established, you know, men and women from WWE or like wherever you have, you know, like whoever was more established at that time, they started just bringing those TV ridden people in. And obviously it worked. AEW is doing fantastic, but it kind of was a little bit of a switch. Like, you know, you had when AEW started, you had your, you know, your Janela and your MJF. And I mean, granted MJF went on to be, I would say a very suitable fit as a superstar. He always was good. Right. But there wasn't as much of that homegrown, you know, you had your like Marco stunt, right? Marco stunt was cool. It was great. Great talent. I miss Marco. It just, yeah. And that's the thing. It kind of just, he whittled this way out, you know? And I think if TNA were to want to differentiate itself, it would be kind of trying to give that platform to those that might not get those shots, or maybe they had those shots and they didn't use them. Right. You know, there were tons of those people they didn't use. Right. Like Alex Zane always to me, like granted, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, but he never was used. Right. Right. He's so talented, you know, and I think giving them the platform to be able to have a place to go, and really give them a chance to shine and show how talented they are without bringing in this talent that's already been here and they've already lived in this vibe forever, you know, bringing it back down and giving people a chance to grow. I think that might be the way to go, but who, I, I, I don't know who, who, who knows how lucrative that is. As somebody who like, I'm obviously on the IWC. I know I like have my own theories as to what they should do. I personally think, and this is just my pitch. I think the best thing that they could do, and this is going to start off bad, get rid of the knockouts division entirely, have it be entirely intergender. They're the only big company of like the big three that there are right now, WWE, AEW, and now TNA. They're the only ones who have had female world champions. I think that that, like the integration of that gender intergender wrestling stuff i think that would be one of the things that really puts them over the edge because there's no real reason why wrestling needs to be like excluding gender excluded by gender in the first place no and intergender wrestling is is awesome i've had some of what i would feel is the best storytelling in that because here's the thing i think because you went up against jordan grace yeah and and it's it old way of thinking is how can I take this match seriously? And this is, this is a stupid way to think. How can I take this match seriously? It's this big guy and it's this girl. Shouldn't he just dominate this person? That's a terrible way to look at what this match could bring. And I think the stories that are told in these awesome intergender matches are amazing. Like we did that war uh, that was like the, it was called like the, the battle of the genders show that freelance underground show we did. And every match was like, uh, like a like a gender war match and there was tag matches and stuff that show was awesome and it wasn't this one-sided stupid thought like oh it's just gonna be dudes just beating up on girls it wasn't anything like that it was extremely thought out the matches were great the storytelling was excellent because it forces you to get creative like where are the strengths and the weaknesses within the athletes how can I get over a match? It makes the makes the the workers think. It makes them actually use their brains to kind of put a match together rather than just be like, I'm just going to hit you and I'm just going to do this. I'm going to dominate you in the match. I've had wonderful intergender matches over the years. I've, I've had great matches with Eva Lee's. I've had great matches with Kylie Ray. I've had matches with uh, Jordan Grace was one of those matches too. Like it felt right it felt like something that should be done more often and i think freelance is one of those places too it's kind of i mean yeah there are great matches where you see like you know two of the best females going against each other but nothing's on there's nothing on limits you know you could you could do whatever you want and we've had female world champion and it was one of the most over things we could do i think we were one of the first independents at least in that area in the area chicago definitely to have a female champion 
and even just last when I saw you last at Dead by Dawn, the GPA and Laney versus Fab and the Furious match, like that was probably one of my favorite matches of the entire night. Yeah, there there is a uh, a demand. There is a market for it. I think we have finally come into a world now where these matches are not only just like accepted, they should have always been accepted, but I think they're, they're desired. People want to see that type of that storytelling. It's, it's interesting. It's not the same old thing over and over and over again. It forces you to get creative. So I think it's a, I think it's something like you have a good point. If they were to get rid of that, it opens up the possibilities of every agent, every free agent they bring in, they can build it up in a certain way. Cause you never know what type of match you're going to get out of it. Are y'all telling me that you don't want to see Mickey James versus Josh Alexander? <laughs> Look me in my eye and tell me you don't want that match. That would be That's amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. Going back to your like work in the more indie side of things, you have had several matches now with friend of the show, friend of the pod, Mad Dog Connolly. <laughs> I want to get your opinion on, because... Some of the people, I imagine most of the people who watched my interview with him, they probably did not go and watch most of his matches after that. Mad Dog in, like, tell me the difference between Austin versus Mad Dog. Like, Austin backstage versus Mad Dog in the ring. It's It's got to be the same as me. Because when, I, I've met Austin several years ago. And he he's he's a funny dude. He's a quiet guy, kind of. He's, he's, he's nice. He's just a nice dude to talk to. And then you get in the ring with him and he just like muffs you. And you're like, I guess we're fucking going. I guess we're doing this. And I think that switch, but I've always said this. And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I've always said this. The nicest people make the best intense wrestlers because it, it's like a, it's a, it's a line that you know to cross and you know how to flip the switch. I think if you're always a terribly aggressive or very like rageful person. It just, it doesn't look as it kind of just, it's you know, when someone's scary. like really, yeah. You know, when someone's really mad, you're just like, Oh, this kind of sucks, you know, but when someone's over the top and they give you like a presentation, you're like, this is a show. And I think people that can tap into something that's different from their normal every day to day. It's interesting. And I think that's kind of like something I've always based you know i never wanted to be a good guy i'm just intense i just like to be aggressive but i think that is entertaining in a sense because you know that that person that's putting it out they're putting it you know they're 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 on 10 they're they're showing you something someone like austin it's hilarious because in the back he's even more mellow than i am we're putting a match together it's gonna you know, we're gonna do this this and this and this and then i i have to like take a second and go this is not going to be the same guy that i'm gonna be wrestling in like two minutes you're talking to this like you're talking to the quiet dude that you'd see at like indie shows or whatever like bone bear looking bastard and then he gets in the ring and it's just full bruiser brody rage just that intense stare that he's got the first hit or the first like 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 he grabbed me the first time he like moved me around i was like shit this guy came to roll but i love that i love that like that's what i like i i mean i don't like to do that to people not everybody because i know that it's, it, it's, it's a dance, right? We're trying to take care of each other. We're telling a story. So I'm not going to fuck someone up, but I might be a little aggressive sometimes. And especially if they like that type of uh, working style, it makes for a good match because it feels authentic. When you're watching it, you feel it. There's this, there's the, the, the sense of dis, you know, you can blur the lines. And I think when that's done properly, it's a good show for everybody. Cause I like to feel. Like the person I'm working with is going to take care of me, but I know that they're going to actually kind of give me a little something. They're going to hit me a little bit to give me that feel that it's a real fight. And if that's not there, it's just this big phony production we're putting on. So someone like Austin's perfect, like the perfect opponent, perfect opponent. This is my own personal fantasy booking. I think that you guys have like a good series going now where you had the four-way and then you had your singles match together. I think the only way that this could possibly end is at freelance. Do you have the stones to get into that dog collar with him? I absolutely would. I wish, I wish we could get him out here more. I think he was at underground, right? I don't know yeah. if we've ever had him on a freelance show. I feel like I'm always in 
James's ear. Like, oh, this guy, you got to get this guy or this girl. I saw this girl at Anarchy. She's so good. I can't get anybody out here that I <laughs> that I want. I'm trying. I'm it's trying. St. Louis versus Chicago bullshit coming in again. It's got to be that because I every time I'm on a because here's how I look at it. We're all working together. It's like it's like um, I don't know if I if you ever do this. I used to be in a hardcore band and I used to try to be in a band. I was touring, and it was that feel of being like, we're we're trying to get on a show. We're trying to play a show. Can you get us on a show? Oh, you guys need a show. Let me get you on a show. It's that feel of like we're all trying to get somewhere else, and we know that the best way to get there is to work together. And it makes for a good show. It makes for us to do better. It makes you to do better. And there's that that vibe of trying to help everybody so that everybody rises i think in indie You're wrestling describing exactly why i do this show in the first <laughs> yeah. place yes and i think in indie wrestling there is a lot of that but then there's also like that mentality of like this is my spot you might take my spot and i think it's trying to mitigate that a little bit and i think that's why the first thing i do is when i go somewhere i've never been before i try to watch and see who's doing what and it's not a matter of good and bad because it's all subjective. It's, it's, it's opinion and matter. I look at someone and go, that would be great to see here. And like with Shire, with uh, Thomas Shire, the big dude in anarchy, I've said, I'm like, this guy has to get to freelance. He's got such a good look, big hoss guy. I love it, but it can't, I can't get him here. I'm trying, try it so bad. If we get enough word out about it, it'll have to happen at some point. I will scream at Matt until he books you and Mad Dog together in a... Specifically, I want that dog collar, and I want to call that fucking match. <laughs> I, I, I hope it happens. That would be great. I would love that. Your match with Shane Mercer at uh, Take This to the Ring, one of the most insane finishes to an indie show that I've seen in some time. He's got that, like, knife whip thing around your neck and you're just like holding it very clearly just with your two fingers i remember going up to you and being like how the hell is your neck fine after that shit i know you come from a powerlifting background where does that how does that play into not having your neck be completely eviscerated when he brought it and i i love that this this type of conversation is very breaking the fourth wall because i have wanted to talk about this damn thing for a while when he brought he he texted me I got this thing. It's like a sword. One part of it is super sharp and the other side I think is fine. And I'm like, okay, sends a picture of it. I'm like, you know, holy shit, this thing is going to kill me. This is how I'm going to die. I'm going to get like nicked and I'm going to bleed out. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. He, he shows it to me and I'm like, this is a real weapon. Now, granted it had been dulled in a sense, but if this thing had been whipped at you with any type of force, it would, it would, wreck you and then on the back end of it the blades on the back end were absolutely like ready to go like would slice right through me no problem so when we had it used for like the neck i had to hold on to it in such a way because i knew that even though it was doled out like you had mentioned with the two fingers i was scared that i was going to cut my hands open too because it was just so it was so it had to be on point everything about the hit and the choke had to be in the right spot Anything to the right of the left, anything high on the neck, it could have nicked me for sure. It was, I was more nervous for that. When we were going through the match, I just knew that I was, as I was getting to the end, I had to really be careful with that. That was the, like, if you were thinking a real death match, that could be something that would be, you know, an accident. Like it, it genuinely felt like a real weapon. That would have been Nick so Gage I, in the 10,000 light tubes match. Just like yeah. needs to be airlifted for real. Or that shit that happened to, uh, what was his name? Um, I totally blank on his name. I don't really follow his work too much. I think he had the like, guy? Uh, it's like G Raver when he did like the, the, the brain buster thing or whatever. I don't oh know. Oh my God. Yeah. And it like sliced oh, his God, arm open. G-Raver. Yeah. So like, I'm not a death match guy. I love, appreciate, understand it. I've done some death matches in my day. It's, it's not my thing. <laughs> uh, I think there's too many, you know, moments for error for me um yeah it's that's that shit's wild so hats off to that i mean as i was sitting there i was like we have to make this look as brutal as we can 
but I also have to get home to my family after this. Like I, I got things to do, man. So it's not going to yeah, be was... any gauge Jericho pizza cutters happening. <laughs> no, for, no, not for Craig Mitchell. I heard that thing went for some money on whatnot. That pizza cutter, they were selling that of on whatnot. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking about weapons that were used in the match between Shane Mercer and Craig Mitchell. When we come back, we are going through the rest of the weapons that the fans brought to that match. We are going to be doing a tier list with every weapon brought to the fans bring the weapons match between Shane Mercer and Craig Mitchell at Freelance. Take this to the ring. We'll be right back with more of the Cuddle Punk podcast. Today's episode is sponsored once again by the Cuddle Punk Patreon. I've been doing these videos for two years, and while I absolutely love it, I've only just started making money from it, and it's not that much money at all. If you want to help make sure I can keep making these videos and podcasts, then head on over to patreon.com slash thecuddlepunkpodcast to become a member today. $3 a month gets you a special shout-out in each episode, and $5 a month gets you the shout-out plus access to episodes one day early. Special thanks to my current patrons, Susan, Claire, Gail Mack, Tara Hallett, and Creighton Budris. Once again, that's patreon.com slash the Cuddlepunk Podcast. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Cuddlepunk Podcast. I'm Veronica Vex. With me today is Craig Mitchell. On July 28th, 2023, Freelance held their Take This to the Ring event at the Avondale Music Hall. The match that Craig was in was a fans bring the weapons match with Shane Mercer. Today, what we are going to do is we are going to rank every single weapon that was brought to the match by the audience. Craig, we've got them all right here. You were kind enough to share a list of everything that we had with us. What's your overview of that match in general, just starting off? I, I love the match, but I love the the uh, representation of the weapons more. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the buff bag wall is just killing me right now. <laughs> it's perfect. It's the perfect picture that I could have chosen. So we'll start off with that. There were two, two heel cardboard cutouts, one of which was of Mr. Buff Bagwell. And the other one, I believe, was of someone's ex, is what you said. It was someone, I don't know if, it's, I don't think it was their ex. I think it was their girlfriend, but it was the two heels and a face. It was the gentleman gotcha. from there. I, for the life of me, cannot remember his his girlfriend's name right now or fiance or whoever um, she may be. Um, <laughs> but it had, it had thumbtacks in it. So it did have an element of, uh, of pain to it. So let's start with that. I'm going to put that thumbtacks in the Thumbtacks are going to be a recurring theme on this tier <laughs> yeah. list for us folks. Just prepare yourselves. We're going to put that in the C tier. It wasn't awful. C tier. Yeah. Get your like classic, like, Hey, this is a thing from the past. Everybody, we got to have that nostalgia going in. Let's go with the mouse traps next. I believe there were several regular mouse traps, and then there was one table that was just covered in them. Yes. So we're going to put those in the B, and I'll kind of give a little background to that. So mouse traps are one of those things I've always liked using. And I, and I think it's just because I like, I like the effect. I like the sound. I like the snap of it. But it is always hit or miss. There are days where you go through and you use them, and it's like a good day. Like, none of them clip you. These were weird. I hit them. They didn't make any noise, which freaked me out because I thought, oh, I must have landed on a bunch of them and smashed the, the coil down. Wasn't the case. I think I just landed in a way where it like went through a bunch of them. And then I rolled when I rolled, they all started snapping into my like eyebrows and ears and stuff. So if you get that to happen, it sucks. So um, we used to do this gimmick all the time. Like I did it with Mercer, but he let my arms go, which thanks Shane. I appreciate it. But usually they hang on to my arms and I just take it straight to the face. And the last time I did that before I did it with Tremont, um, they nip my nose. Yeah, if it if it gets you in like your nose or your eyes, it hurts real bad. Ears are fine because you don't really have as much fear uh, feeling, I guess. But the nose or the lips, oh Jesus, that's the worst. So B tier for sure. B tier for sure. How do you think the mousetraps that you used rank alongside the mousetraps from the Sami Zayn Johnny Knoxville match from last year? <laughs> not even close those not even best. close <laughs> that's the best mousetrap ever used in a spot that was such a good mania it wasn't like a deep wrestlemania but it was a great wrestlemania you know what it felt like it felt like at any moment in time that match could have been awful and we were all oh, on absolutely. the edge it was like watching someone you're really good friends with doing something 
and they're succeeding, but you just want them to stay successful. That's what it felt like watching that match. I was like, please just pull this off. Like the body slam that Wee Man gave. How goddamn good was that? That it was could a have perfect been perfect body slam. He could have fell on him. He could have tripped. He could have lost his balance in the ring. It was as good as it gets. I hope they never do it again because it would ruin. It, it just needs to end with that. Celebrities in general, like ever since Stephen Amell, have just been really giving it to professional wrestling. Like I have a Bad Bunny WWE shirt now. I will say this. I'm thrilled that Logan Paul is the United States champion. I'm sorry. I think it's perfect. I think it's absolutely perfect. The the hating on like the Paul brothers sometimes, I, I sometimes have to look at them through the lens of they are just gimmick people in wrestling because it's it puts them in this place where I'm like, well, of course, that makes sense. They're just they're great at this. I don't know how they are as people can't really weigh in on that. But damn it, are they are they are entertaining. I am entertained. Logan could have gotten the world championship, guys, at Crown Jewel. This could have been uh this could have been a ready to rumble WCW situation. Let's just pray that let's let's all thank glad be glad that it's not. We have this is one of my favorites personally, the last supper picture with your face on it. I have to put that as superior. Like that is it's that S. is that's if that's not S here, I don't know what is. It so uh, a little background on that one. So um I used to back here wrestle with a bunch of buddies growing up and um, a few of us, we, we ventured on and we kept, you know, wrestling, you know, Nick and, you know, Castro and all this. But I had uh, a group of buddies I started back at wrestling with when I was in like fifth grade and we kind of, you know, we've stayed friends, but they, they grew up and just kind of did normal things with their life. And I have these two friends, uh, Mike and Sylvester, and I've been friends with them ever since I was like a little kid. And, They've always been like great friends when we were back at wrestling. But then as we've grown up, we've always just still maintained friends. And when this match was announced, they were like, we are going to bring you some shit. And they brought actually a couple things that are on this list. But my buddy Mike is a great artist. And he was like, I'm going to bring you this great. You have no idea how cool this is going to be. He saw it at a, at a, um, it was either like a Goodwill or a thrift store or whatever it might've been. And he got, he sent me the picture of just the actual first supper. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then when he brought it in and they got to put the weapons by the ring, I noticed that he had drew me in it and it just was perfect. I was so glad it didn't break. It's actually right over here. I haven't, I got to reframe it and I'm going to hang it up in my house. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so good. You got to keep something like that. When we were leaving, it was starting to rain. I don't know if you remember. It started like storming. Oh, I remember. Really I bad. got caught in that rain. So we were leaving. Uh, we left with them, and their car was kind of where ours was. And then me, my fiance, and my daughter were over this way. And we're running, and the wind started blowing, and it started pouring. And I pulled the the thing close to me, and I just tried to keep it as dry as I could, and it survived. So it's stuck over there somewhere, and uh, I'm going to make sure it lives on forever. <laughs> Match memories like that are great. I think I gave the announcer a, like, empty pack of cigarettes from one of the trash bags uh, that uh, Lance had just dumped onto Storm. And I think I just said, like, give this to Storm. He's going to want this someday. I try to keep all that stuff. I still have the Ken doll. I think, oh, that's on the list. Let's go with that one now. <laughs> We're, I mean, you got brought up. We got to mention it. It was July of 2023. There is no way a Ken doll wasn't going to be showing up. There's no way something Barbie wasn't going to be showing up. I think that one has to go in S2, right? It's definitely S. The, uh, Did they not start chanting Ken up, Ken up, Ken up while they that were, match was going on? They were. Uh, it was started with Kenergy, and then it went to that. So it was great. And I had not seen the movie yet. It was kind of like on my list of things to do. But my daughter had gone and seen it. And at this point in time, I did not. And I knew nothing about the movie. And... um. I noticed that on our 360 app, we keep like with our family to like see who's home and stuff like that. She read renamed our house like to Mojo Dojo Casa House or whatever. Casa House. But I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. I just, this, I just thought she was just being a crazy 16 year old. So that's I saw how that. I felt not having seen the movie and just seeing Mojo <laughs> Dojo Casa House all over my fucking timeline. <laughs> that's how I felt. And then this thing gets thrown in the ring and I'm like, I have to. I have to use this. I don't think we used it much. I think I put it in my shirt and I like dove on them or whatever, but it was, uh, 
It was perfect. It's actually sitting right. I you know you can't see off the camera. It's right over that way. It's on the wall. I actually put them on my wall. Fan fucking tastic. The zester or like the cheese grater thing that was there. Put that in A, and I'll explain why. That thing sucks ass. So I can imagine. So cheese graters uh, and stuff like that. We've done those in the past. The thing that was weird though. So like I feel like at least the last few times I've used like a grater of some sort, it kind of leaves like a bigger cut. So it kind of bleeds. It looks real cool. This damn thing was small. It was like a zester you would use on like limes or some shit. So it's cuts. It's, it's like actual blades were really small. So what happened was Mercer grabbed me, put it on my head and he started moving it. It didn't make any marks. And I, I get it. Like he's probably looking for, looking for blood, looking for something. So then he pressed it deeper and he, broke it over my forehead and when he broke it it just left all these like micro tears in my forehead none of it bled i mean when i was bleeding later it was from something else but these micro tears every single thing that on my face they didn't heal for like a month and what they did was they left walking around for a month looking like abdullah it was like yeah it was like itty bitty micro like um scabs and they kept getting tear, like torn open because I'd be putting a hat on or doing whatever. Like I'd be sweating. I'd move my hand across my forehead and it would rip them open. It was the worst. It was like a month of hell. That one's on A, not in terms of like creativity, but just in terms of like pain and like actual effect that it had on you. The the person, I, I forget who they were. It was like a, a nice couple. They were like, oh, that was our zester from our house. I'm like, who the fuck would bring that? Take that home. Never bring it again. This one, I think, is the most sadistic that a fan brought. So the picture is just of thumbtacks. It was thumbtacks and I believe Legos. And they were in a baggie with a bunch of salt in it. That's the most, that's, that's some game. That's some CZW shit if I ever done heard it. (laughs) I'm going to put that. Let's go. um, I want to do respect to Ken in the first supper here. So maybe we'll go A on that one here. Mm -hmm. It, It was, um. So talking to Mercer about this too, especially the salt, we were, we were pretty ripped up by that point. The salt sucked. I felt like a shitty margarita, man. It was awful, awful. And it started, um, I don't know if you know how salt kind of gets into your wounds. What it kind of does is it yeah. kind of like it, it almost, um, I can't think of the term, but it, it like kind of starts to like fill in and it kind of starts to harden up and crystallize a bit. It was terrible. So what it ended up doing was a lot of the cuts and everything like that, the zester for sure, it like crystallized over those areas because there was moisture. And then later when I got home and went to shower and pull all of it off, all of the crystallization ripped the scabs open. So it was awful. I had I had salt in my hair two days, even though I was showering. I would just shake it out. It was like crazy. I had salt everywhere. It was like going to the beach and having that stuff in your clothes. It was terrible. Jesus Christ. Moving on. Classic steel chair. I mean, let's go B. 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 It's a it's that's a that's a that's something you see in just every wrestling match. You can never go wrong with a steel chair. I mean, Mad Dog went wrong with a steel chair relatively recently, but I feel like it's a, it's a it's a solid weapon that has to be in the match. Yeah, and I think um we were fortunate enough to have like a really good plan to not just be like Oh, let's hit each other with chairs. It's been done. I, I think chairs are cool in the moment. Everybody goes like, oh, yeah, chair. But they forget. So we we wanted to make sure we saved the chairs for the, the trapper keeper through the chairs. And I think that paid off more. Um, I've had my fair share of chair shots and stuff like that. It's 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 not for me anymore. It, it, it just sucks, you know. But I think the chair... Um, being in the match was great for what it was for. I'm glad that we didn't because the last time me and Mercer had like that run in with the chair was when he hit me in the back with it. And I think what happened was I was to the side a bit more. I don't know if you ever seen that Mark it's on my Instagram. He destroyed my triceps with the chair. So I, I chairs are cool, but I feel like the, the risk to reward on a chair, especially now we're so much more creative these days a steel chair shot is usually like a cool run in spot, but in these matches, it kind of, you know, they lose their way. Just the, we, we got the doors. We got the doors here. 
Let's go B again. I think kind of in the same realm of that. Same They're solid great. thing. Yeah, same solid, great thing. How do you use them? So I was great. Best. Okay. I, I feel like everything I have in here has a story. I don't mean to be that way, but I, I have to actually show you. What do you think this show? Why does everyone think that this show is not about people blathering on for 20 minutes? I'm every single guest comes on here and they're like, oh, I don't want to go on a tangent. That's literally the only reason this exists. So full disclosure, every time I buy doors, I always get them on marketplace. It's just better. It's it, it's stupid. I told James, why am I going to go to Home Depot or Menards, pay for a real door, like a brand new door that would go in someone's house? Why would I do that? Marketplace is great. So I go in Marketplace. It's the day of the show because I, I asked and was like, shit, there's no doors because someone said they were going to bring some and they had none. So I'm like, well, shit, I got to get some doors. Now. I need to get at least three, right? Go on Facebook Marketplace. It's like noon. I'm looking, I'm looking, and, and I live in uh, Payless Hills. And literally like two miles from here, someone has the doors that I had at the show, had all of them. They were all against the garage and they were like, all of them were 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever they might've been. And, um, I told the guy I could pick these up today. Yeah, absolutely. I go pick them up real reserved guy, real reserved, like just kind of an older gentleman doesn't say anything. And then he's he's telling me about the doors. I pulled these out of a bedroom. They have this they have this finish on them. You can paint them. You can do. And then I go, hey man, I understand, but what I'm using these doors for today, I know it's crazy, but we're going to be using them at a pro wrestling show and be slamming someone through. Them. And he's just looking at me. He doesn't understand what the hell I'm saying. I don't know if he just couldn't understand me or whatever it was. So then finally, I'm like, just thanks for the doors. No big deal. I I get the doors. When I get home that night, I had gotten the footage from, um, I can't remember if it was from Wrestling with Unicorns or someone had sent me the footage of the DVD through the door. And uh, I had e I messaged him on Facebook Marketplace, which I still have it here. I messaged him about the doors and I sent him the video and I go, hey man, thanks. Doors work great. And I sent him the video and he just goes, Oh my God, I had no idea you were going to be using it for this. This old gentleman just gets this video. He probably forgot all about me. He clicks the video and he sees it. And it's just me picking Mercer up and DVD him through the door. And I can only imagine that guy probably thinks I'm a fucking psychopath. <laughs> but it was great. 20 bucks. It was the best That's thing how I could you get. Facebook Marketplace for all of your roommate and wrestling needs. It was awesome. We're going to move into the ukulele. S tier, and I'll explain why. That ukulele was the most painful thing in the fucking match by, by like a hundred times. He hit me with that right when he picked it up and he hit me right in the forehead with it. I didn't think twice about it. I didn't put my hands up. I didn't even flinch. I just getting hit with a ukulele. Craig, Jeff Jarrett is not using real guitars. Yes. So that is exactly what my thought process. I'm thinking. If Jeff Jarrett can hit people with full fucking guitar, even though those are probably gimmicked in a way, I could take this little uke. This goddamn thing, it hit, it hurt so bad because it didn't have any give to it. It was, and I think the reason is, is the body of like a guitar is bigger, right? So there's more room for like flex. So if you can push in the center, you can get a little flex. That's probably what gives you the crack. The uke was so small. And the wood was probably comparably the same thickness of a regular body guitar, but it had no weight distribution because it was so small. It was like someone hit me with a fucking cinder block. It hurt so bad. My ears were ringing because it had like echo and it gen it like literally gave me a bump on my fore on like the top of my head. It was so insanely like risen from me that I couldn't put hats on because right here in the opening of the hat, you could see the bump from the ukulele. It was insane. I will never, if somebody picks something up like that again, I'm fucking punching them in the face. It was the worst. It sounds, yeah. Le folks, uh, I know this is mostly a music podcast, but even when the wrestlers come out here, you are going to learn some gear knowledge that ukuleles are rougher than guitars when you smash them onto people. I've saved these three for last before the big boy. I'm calling that we've got the thumbtacks already, but I'm calling these the thumbtack trio that we've got here. We're going to start off with the gloves. We're going to go from what I imagine to be 
the least painful to the most painful here. So it's funny you mentioned that. So put that in A. A. And I'm going to speak to it from Mercer's experience. So I didn't get hit with the gloves. <laughs> I put the gloves on. The gloves were brought from my backyard wrestling buddies. I was aware of what these next three weapons were capable of doing. All of these are like backyard wrestling originals in our group. We all knew the gardening gloves were the best. So they glued the thumbtacks on them, but they knew that they would come off. So when I hit them, they would stick. They must have used better glue than when we were kids because it did not do that. So every time I hit them, I hit them in the ass. And what happened was I hit them in the ass kind of like in this like scooping motion, but the tacks didn't come out. So when I hit them, they dragged. Craig. And from what Mercer told me, he said that was the worst thing. It was like the absolute worst thing. So I'll take his word for it because I remember we used to do all that shit. We used to do, you know, the tack boards and stuff like that because we, we kind of liked the, the imagery of like the bed of nails or like the imagery of like something with a bunch of nails or tack sticking out of it. And then you kind of hit them and they stick. Better glue these days. <laughs> Better glue these days. Let's move on to the baseball bat, the wiffle ball bat. Did this bat break? I feel like it did, like it broke into like little pieces or something. Um, I don't remember if it did or not. I know the tacks went flying everywhere. So let's go B. Okay. B for that one. So the tack bat is a staple amongst my friends. We always used to use them. Um, we, we didn't until later on in our, I guess our backyard wrestling, put them on the outside of something so they could fly over all over the place and stick in you. But we used to do because we were cheap and poor as fuck. We would take duct tape. And we would line the duct tape up with the tacks. This is how insane and stupid we are. Because as I'm explaining this, you're probably thinking, did anybody get sick? We would put the tacks through the tape. And then we would wrap the bat in tape. So when you'd hit them, they would stay. And then we could use them again. <laughs> when you're in sixth grade and seventh grade and you're broke and you're stupid, you can reuse weapons. <laughs> There's part of me. This is why. I, this is why I'm glad I didn't get into wrestling until I was 21. <laughs> I mean, definitely dumber things uh, we did when we were younger. Um, you know, nobody really thought that that could be. I mean, granted, we were all very young and people weren't transmitting things amongst ourselves, but I mean, just bacteria in general, right? Totally. So it was a good weapon. Let's move on to the final of the trilogy of thumbtacks. We've got the thumbtack nerf gun. Let's go A. It could have been S, and I'll explain on that one too. This was one I knew we were going to use. I was trying to get Mercer to shoot me in the forehead with this because we have done it. It's like it's like something we had done. My buddy Mike, one of my buddies that came to brought this. This was our thing. You know how like certain match. Matches have a thing. They always do the same thing. Like, if you ever see them pair up against each other, they always do the same spot, right? This was our thing. I would pull the dart gun out and boom, shoot them right in the forehead. It always would stick. Because there's, believe it or not, there's a lot of, like, give to your forehead. Even though, like, you feel your skull, you could put a thumbtack right in the middle of your forehead. It'll stick. Go the entire audience just automatically with both of us just felt their foreheads just now. I can guarantee that shit. So, I mean, we used to do the gimmick too, where like you'd put them face down in the thumbtacks. And if you could line your forehead up pretty good, they would step on the back of your head and all the tacks would go into your head. And as you pop up, the theatrical look of that is pretty crazy. So we knew it would work. I don't think Mercer believed me because <laughs> I was trying to tell him, he's like, I, I don't want to do it. I don't think it'll stick. What if it bounces off and it falls? And I'm like, okay, well, how about I shoot you in the back and I just keep like doing the sh sh and boom and everyone will cheer. It'll be kind of cool. And um, he was like, yeah, yeah, I think that'll work. I don't think he realized how cool and fast it was going to be because oh, he yeah. walked from me and it was like instant. It was like whoosh, right into his back. And then he went, I think he was like, oh shit. And I got him again and again. We think we got all six rounds in his back and it was perfect. None of them missed. So that's, that's, to me, maybe not the most painful, but the the imagery of it is, is awesome because you actually are physically seeing someone get impaled with something. Absolutely. No, that, that's probably my personal favorite of everything. 
But then, of course, we got the main event here. We've got the weird knife whip thing. We talked about it earlier. Where does it rank? I hate it. I'm I'm putting in D. I mean, D, people like yeah. it, maybe. I hate it. It's cool. I hate it, though. And the reason There's I hate it... There's too much margin for error on that fucking thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's It's one of those things that, like, for example... And, and this is something I've never understood in pro wrestling. I guess breaking the fourth wall here real hard. You know when you go to a show and you know that the creativity is limitless of what you can and cannot get away with. When you do death matches, obviously you want stuff to be pretty realistic. You want tacks that are real. You want fire that's real. Shit like this. Like, why can't we get away with gimmicking these things so that we can hit somebody with them? Do you ever like you know, when you were a kid? Didn't you always hate that when uh, Triple H would hit someone with a sledgehammer, he would like cover it with the top of his hand? I've gone back and watched like even in Mania Thirty Five, he's covering the fucking thing with his hand. Like, there's no like fucking hit him with the fucking thing. Make it like soft rubber. Yeah, chair shots are hard, but like okay, and like and and this is where my my brain goes. And I've I've explained this to people before, and I think there's like this weird thing with pro wrestling and the way they work but think of it like this you use these things they have a certain sense of hardness um danger what have you but you're still suspending disbelief or you're still suspending belief right so when you go to a show like a circus soleil or any kind of show and they do something crazy you know that it's not real but it's awesome or it's incredibly difficult to do or it's extremely rehearsed and you just appreciate they got it right if we could get away so you mentioned what if they would use a harder rubber tipped sledgehammer and you actually got to see the imagery of someone boom hitting someone with a sledgehammer and then they bleed you'd be like holy shit like his hands did not that's why when someone bangs my head off the ring or something i know that that's a soft surface i don't put my hands up you bang my head off the ring, I just go hands to the side, bam, because the image of unblocked hit to your brain, even though you know it's a wrestling match, makes your brain go, shit, that was kind of brutal. And I think a weapon like this cuts that line because you know that he can't hit me with that like he wants to. But he had hit me with everything else on this list as hard as he could. So now there's this pullback, and I think that fucks up the flow. In my opinion, in my opinion, I think what we're both getting at is just like what we were talking about with TNA earlier. I think there is more chance for people to lean into the suspension of disbelief in wrestling. Like, that's the one thing that I think people need to really be leaning into more. I think we're past the like NXT black and gold, like golden age of just like indie wrestlers, like doing flips and shit. Like there needs to be like there's character to this shit. Lean into that. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a show, and like any show you've ever gone to, if they suck you in, it doesn't matter how far outside of the realm of real it gets. If the if the actual presentation of what you're looking at makes you go, that was fucking awesome. Well, that was fucking awesome. That's what it is, and that's what people want. But you second you start sucking them out and doing something weird or twisty, it's over. So, I completely agree, Craig. Thank you so much for being on this episode of the Cuddlepunk Podcast. It was so much fun doing that tier list with you. If you guys want to make your own version of that tier list, you can find the match on IWTV. It's up, and the tier list is up. The template is up. You can make it for yourself if you want to. Craig, where can we find you? Uh, I'm on all the the typical socials except for probably TikTok. I don't I don't know how to work that shit. But uh, Instagram, uh, Craig X Mitchell, uh, Facebook under Craig Mitchell, and then uh, Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. I'm not calling it X. It's Twitter. <laughs> it's it's Twitter. Mitchell there as well. What are you, what do you got coming up? Um, so I have, uh, I kind of took a little bit of time. I kind of going into the holiday season. It kind of gets a little sideways for me. Right. I know we got freelance going on the ninth. I got Mondo Lucha on the fifth, which will be in Milwaukee. And then I'll be returning back to iron spirit in Bloomington. Let me just make sure the date on that. Cause that's going to be a sick show. It looks like that show is going to be December 8th. You can find links to all of that in the description, including all of Craig Mitchell's social media. You can find me on all social media at Veronica Vexed. That's Veronica underscore Vexed. 
Veronica is spelled with a K because a C just isn't punk enough. The you can find if you'd like to help support the show, you can donate to my Patreon, patreon.com slash the Cuddlepunk podcast, where you get early access to episodes, your name in the credits and everything. It's going to be a great time over there. The the logo for the Cuddlepunk podcast is done by Lauren Young. You can find her Instagram in the description below. Our theme music is Lose a Turn by Modify. You can find a link to all of her stuff in the description down below. Craig Mitchell, thank you so much for being on here, man. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I appreciate it.